your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Premier gets the snap. Up yes. bucket. It's loose. The football's rolling toward the goal line. It's at the five. It's going to be landed on at the one-yard line by the Huskers. Simon Odie lands on the football. Nebraska's going to have first and goal to one after blocking a punt. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Ben McLaughlin and Josh Elkerman. You can't get better as a team, particularly when you're a young team, unless you're playing football games. And I thought we showed growth last week, we showed growth this week, and uh, we feel lucky just to be able to play. Be able to play. I'm glad the Big Ten uh, gave us the ability to play, and it certainly hasn't always gone the way we wanted this year, but we need these games to keep improving to become the team that we need to be. Samir gets the snap. Husker yes. Block it. It's loose. The football's rolling toward the goal line. It's at the five. It's going to be landed on at the one-yard line by the Huskers. Simon Odie lands on the football. Nebraska's going to have first and goal to one after blocking a punt. Huskers first and goal to one. Snap back. They give it off to Dedrick Mills. He pounds his way in there. Touchdown, Nebraska. And the Huskers get a block punt. Immediately a one-yard run, and they lead this game 6-0. All right. We weren't going to let it slip, regardless of any penalties, whether it was on us or on them. I kept encouraging the guys. I know our line was talking to each other. Our receivers were into it. Um, Continuing to uh, stay the course, regardless of whatever penalties, whatever. Let's dial in. Let's continue to be efficient and find a way to score points. Oliver Martin in motion to the far side. Snap back. Adrian wants to throw. Being rushed. Steps up in the pocket and eludes a man to the 10, to the 5, to the 1, dives. He is in. Touchdown, Nebraska. What an individual effort by Adrian Martinez. Scrambling through bodies, arms, diving for the end zone. And the Huskers now lead it 13-0. The passing game has improved. I think the quarterbacks keep improving. I think the receivers are running better routes and, and more consistent in where they are. Uh, we got a little better pass protection today a couple of times. We had a lot of time. And we're dealing with a lot of young kids doing a lot of those things. So the progress was inevitable. But... Um, I think it showed up today. Mills in the backfield with Adrian. Four in the play clock. They throw it out a flat pass. Caught out there by Levi Falky. Races in. Actually, it's Wyatt Leeward. Races in for a touchdown. Wyatt Leeward scores for Nebraska. A flip in the flat. There were a couple of blockers out there. The Huskers have six more on the board. Jack Plummer, the six foot five inch sophomore quarterback. Gets the snap. Back to throw. Looking, holding, being hit, yes. rushed, sacked, back at the 38-yard line. Huskers get their third sack of the half. Casey Rogers was in there. And getting off the bottom of the pile might be Ben Stilley as well coming up there. Jared Nelson's in there. Stilley's in there. They may get a couple of half sacks for that. But the Huskers might get a 10-yard loss. Now it's fourth down and 15, and they're out of field goal range. You know, you have to con- contain them in the passing game with their receivers. You're probably not going to completely stop them. But the key to that is making them one-dimensional, and I thought we did a good job against the run. I'm, I'm happy for the defense. Plummer will go shotgun this time. Horvath to his right. Snap it back. They give it off to Horvath. He's hit. Yes. Stop. The Huskers have stopped him. Bring him down for a loss of two yards back to the 32. Luke Reimer was in there. So was Cam Tater. Britt, a host of Huskers headed to that pile right after that. Adrian in the shotgun. Claps his hand. Follows the block of Mills in there. Touchdown, Nebraska. Adrian Martinez untouched into that golden zone, and Nebraska stretches their lead to 33 to 13. Plummer gets the shotgun snap. Backpedals. Looks, throws downfield. Little fade route. 
Leaping up is Cam Tater Britt, the back of all the way incomplete. Try to find David Bell, did Purdue. Cam Tater Britt read it the whole way and slapped it away. It's fourth down, and Purdue's going to be forced to punt. Man, it feels great. You know, we just preached through the whole week, man, to, to finish. Uh, you know, just play four quarters, 60 minutes, uh, even more than 60 minutes. If we're going to, to overtime, you know, just play full, full out. Uh, give everything that you got. You know, with, uh, you know, Colin Dallin and, you know, some other teammates, you know, we just want to give them our all because we know they would do the same for us. Snap back. Stepping his plumber being rushed. Gets grabbed, hit, and dropped. Another sack for the oh, and he flips the ball off the Horvath, and there's a pile up at the 22-yard line. Huskers will take over on downs as they stop Purdue. While Plummer was going down, he flipped it off to a teammate. That was going to go nowhere, and Nebraska will take over the 22-yard line and get their second win of the season. Happy for the team. They put in a lot of work to get here. Uh, they've stuck it through a lot of kind of bad things happening to them, and um, I think their perseverance is paying off. Huskers win it 37-27 over Purdue on a Saturday morning in West Lafayette, and the Huskers grab their second win of 2020 and now turn their attention to the Minnesota Golden Gophers coming to Lincoln Saturday, 11 o'clock kick at Memorial Stadium Senior Day for the Huskers in 2020. Welcome to Sports Nightly here on a Monday. Ben McLaughlin joined by Josh Hilkeman. Got a full three-hour program coming your way. As always, feel free to join us on the show at 531-546-86. That is our Woodhouse Auto Family hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. So Huskers win it, and we'll have plenty of recap of the game here tonight on the show. Uh, Scott Frost had his weekly press conference earlier today over at Memorial Stadium. We'll hear thoughts from the head coach uh, and also welcome in phone calls here in this first hour. Also coming up uh, tonight at the 7 o'clock hour, we'll switch gears and talk some Nebraska basketball. The Nebraska basketball radio hour with assistant coach Doc Sadler will come your way. Husker Hoops had their game canceled on Sunday with Florida A&M due to concerns with COVID with the Rattler team. So uh, we will not uh, have a game to recap for you this weekend. Instead, set you up with what's to come this week for Nebraska basketball. And it is a huge week uh, for the Huskers as you'll have the uh, ACC challenge this week with Georgia Tech and also the Creighton Blue Jays in-state rival on Friday. So a big week for Nebraska basketball. In the third hour of the show, Josh Hilkeman will take us back through uh, the weekend with our weekend rewind. And also, we'll chat some national college football with Adam Rittenberg from ESPN, uh, what, what happened around the nation. So we'll get into plenty of that tonight as well. As I mentioned to start it, uh, welcoming phone calls and text tonight at 531-546-86. U.S. Cellular, uh, proud sponsor here at the Husker Sports Network and the sponsor of our text line um, Josh, I, I guess we'll just go ahead and dive in here with uh, with recap from the game, and you know, it didn't take uh, doesn't take a lot of thought or or really understanding of football to know that you know that first you know five minutes of the game, Nebraska not only did they receive or they kicked the ball off, Purdue was able to receive. Nebraska held them, blocked the punt, scored, held them again, good punt return, uh, able to score again, 
and would have been nice to get that third possession in there for a touchdown as well to go up 21 nothing. but you'll take going up three possessions really before the game got started. It was going to be an uphill climb for Purdue since then, but man, was it nice to see the Huskers come out kind of on fire and, and execute in something other than you know offense or defense. To see that special teams unit really come through, I think it was a huge shot in the arm for the team. Yeah, all three phases were were good early on in those first, you know, really it was the first five minutes, those three possessions that ended up in 17 points. And you mentioned the the great starting field position, and it was all really due to special teams and defense, uh, starting at the one-yard line, starting at the 20-yard line, and starting at the Purdue 43-yard line, all in plus territory is, is you know, you'll, you'll obviously take that uh, any day of the week, and especially to start the game and get off go, get the game off going right the right way. So, yeah, that you'll take that. And, you know, obviously from there, things kind of evened out a little bit. But if you start the game off 17 to nothing, you have to like your chances. And it, it seemed like Purdue, Purdue for a little bit, it seemed like they were just, they might, you know, give up and roll over. To their credit, they didn't. They, they, they at least made it a game. And, um, you know, a few things went their way or broke their way in the, in the second half that made it closer than it really should have been. But that, that first five, six minutes or so was, I mean, it, it didn't win or lose the game, but it sure tilted it heavily in the Huskers' direction. This wasn't a perfect 60 minutes of football by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, the end of the second quarter, right before half, was really sloppy. Huskers get a punt blocked and uh, just really wasn't uh, clean football there at the end of the first half. And then, you know, Purdue kind of throws that haymaker there late third quarter, early fourth quarter. You know, they hit the 89-yarder to to David Bell to really, you know – tense things up on Nebraska's sideline that cut it to 34 27 Jeremiah and I talked about this in the fifth quarter Josh you look at the final statistics and really what scared you going into the game were Purdue's weapons right Rondale Moore David Bell uh, even throw Milton Wright in there as well Um, really good wide receivers and you know you look at the final statistics they combined for 23 catches and over 200 yards I think you know you get told that before the game and you're probably wincing a little bit um, mm-hmm. that those guys are going to have uh, about 100 yards each and and 23 receptions, but give a lot of credit to Nebraska's defense, uh, particularly the corners uh, for, for not only their tackling in open space, but uh, Eric Shenander's defense and the scheme that they ran against Purdue uh, and the pressure that Nebraska was able to get without blitzing um, you know, you look at the final numbers of Rondale Moore, 13 catches for the All-American, 13 grabs on 16 targets for 78 yards. That's an average of six yards per reception. As, a, as explosive a player as that is, that is exceptional to hold a guy like that uh, to an average of six yards per catch. His longest was 19. David Bell, as I mentioned, had the 89-yarder. Uh, to really shoot his average up, 10 catches for 132. Outside of that 89-yard grab, he had nine catches uh, for 43 yards, Josh. That's good for 4.7 per reception. So they hit the big one for 89. But other than that, you're you're averaging about five yards per catch between those two. That's as good as you're going to do on receivers like that. Well, yeah, and that's – like I kind of said, I mentioned it in the – 
uh, when I was talking at first about how things kind of broke Purdue's way a little bit, that the long touchdown pass to David Bell, you know, the, the two Husker defenders kind of collided and, you know, it's, it's really just kind of an unlucky break there that, that it should have been at the very least a catch for, you know, maybe 20 yards or so. And, um, that, that was unfortunate, but you're right. For the most part, they really didn't have much at all. They weren't able to make a big play downfield. I can, you know, there are three, four, five different plays in my head that are flashing through, like that I'm remembering of uh, they, them going deep down the field and the Husker defensive backs, you know, Cam Taylor Britt and DiCaprio Boodle knocking passes away and having just tight coverage on those mm-hmm. two Purdue receivers, Moore and Bell. So, yeah, unbelievable job on that. And, it's you know Purdue is an interesting team they don't run the ball a ton and they really didn't run the ball hardly at all on Saturday 17 attempts for negative two yards so hardly anything at all and so you you know that that makes them even more of a passing team than they already were going in and obviously you know 334 yards through the air for most teams seems like a lot but really with how much they were passing it and when you break it down like you said outside of that one really big play uh it it really the Husker defensive backs and as you mentioned the pass rush too getting pressure with not sending a, a whole lot on the blitzes that 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 was impressive by the Husker defense you got to give a lot of credit to them absolutely and you know, to further your point on the run game they don't run a lot but the one thing Nebraska did was they shut it down early had a couple of those runs pop for seven eight ten thirteen yards they're, they're much more likely to just keep doing it and, and what they did was they they took that away and, and it's also hard to run when you're down 17 nothing right. off the rip so you know getting that getting that cushion really helped but you know really ne- never letting Xander Horvath get going at all and you know that that guy could have been a problem he's a tank he's a load and, and that's the biggest running back Nebraska's faced all year and they did a really good job shutting that down when the opportunity presented itself. So there are a lot of things to like. We're just getting started on our recap of Husker football and their win over Purdue here tonight. We welcome you to call in at 531-546-86. Let's go out to Plattsmith and welcome on our first call tonight. And we talk to Drew. Hey, Drew, what's up? Hey, guys. I just kind of wanted to comment more on the entire season as a whole. Um, You know, it's been a crazy season with COVID, but I just want to say how Great, I think it is. I mean, out of all the Big Ten teams, we're one of the very few who stayed disciplined as far as staying healthy with the COVID stuff. We haven't had guys opting out. The team stayed bought in this entire time, even after that really low loss against Illinois. And I see a really great opportunity here. We're playing a short-manned, undermanned Minnesota team this week. You're not really sure how motivated they are. And then you go into a championship week where you're probably getting a Rutgers, Michigan, Michigan State, which is a very winnable game. We go on a little winning streak here, get to four and four, get to a bowl game. Um, I, I just think this is a great opportunity here for this young team uh, to to grab some momentum, some great momentum in this program going into 2021. And uh, you know, despite the frustrations and those close losses this year, I think if we get to that point. Um, I, I think you can really say it was a, it was a positive year and, and the program's moving forward. So, so I'm excited about where things are at. Um, so I just wanted to kind of make that comment. Thank you. Yeah, Drew, appreciate it. I, I think that's a, good, that's a couple of good points on, on your end. Number one, uh, I think I put out a tweet after the game talking about how happy I was for the, for the locker room, but more, you know, even more so for Adrian Martinez. But to kind of further that a little bit, uh, it was great to see the players' reaction. And we heard – 
more evidence of that today at the press conference, just, you know, what that meant to the team. And, and you know, so you had some veteran players, so that was some of the happiest, one of the happiest times I've ever been in their entire career was in that locker room in West Lafayette against Purdue. So th- that's that's definitely a good thing, you know, to have that team morale be high, as you said, Drew, especially after how we were all feeling against Illinois and Josh I think he brings up a really good point about opportunity and Mm -hmm. and I I think one thing we've learned over the last three years is we're not taking anything for granted we're not going to just assume since Minnesota is going to be down 20 players that this game's going to be a win even though Nebraska open is a 10-point favorite they're going to match up with somebody of similar uh, stature in the championship weekend if you can find a way to win these next two you're playing for a bowl game and again Husker fans maybe seven, ten years ago are just assuming that's going to happen. We know that that's, that's not going to be just handed to you, but, you know, you, you got to think that the, the, the players are pretty motivated to make that happen. And, you know, you hope that the lesson was learned against Illinois, and that was backed up by some of the comments from the older players today at the press conference that they're not going to let this week of practice get away from them like they did against, uh, against Penn State after the win. Josh, I think it's, it's a good point by Drew that – I think you would much rather have the circumstance in front of you now where you have a chance to maybe win three or four in a row to end your season as opposed to maybe you start the year with three or four wins in a row and you start to tail off at the end and leave every, everybody wondering you know, what, what went on there at the end of the year, all year. If you can yeah. start to f- finish this the right way, I think you know, some people can, can change their mindset of what's happening right now. Yeah, it's year one versus year two of of Coach Ross. Of yeah. you know, year one, they they it was it was a struggle to start. They just couldn't find anything, and nothing was going their way. And then finally, it started to turn, and and they finished the year strong. Big win over Michigan State, and you know that that you felt a lot better because you're going into the off season with all that momentum. And that means the off season is strong. And then year two went the other way where they started off with a few wins, had that big overtime win against Northwest or the walk-off win against Northwestern. And then, you know, things turned South from there, but yeah, you, I, I agree. It's there's the, the biggest thing right now is yes, there is opportunity. And you heard uh, the players talk about it today. I think Ben Stilley said it that, you know, the, every single day you cannot come in and take one day off because you won a game. Like if you take a day off of practice because you're, you're riding high off that win, then you're behind and you're not going to play as well as you should on Saturday. So I think that's a lesson that hopefully everybody on the team learned after the Penn state win and then the uh, bad loss against Illinois. And hopefully, you know, you, you have that, uh, great feeling after Purdue and now you're turning it into an even better feeling by winning two in a row and then keep going from there yeah it's 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 all about momentum and I think that there's definitely an opportunity right now callers and guests of the show join us on our Woodhouse Auto Family hotline bringing you more choices in brands locations and service experience the difference purchase with confidence this is Woodhouse. Nebraska head coach Scott Frost meeting with members of the media today in his weekly press conference. And obviously a lot of chatter about this last game against Purdue, but also a look ahead to the Minnesota Golden Gophers. We'll start first with Coach Frost talking about his players, particularly how locked in they are at this point of the season with uh, just a few games left. I think we have more guys on the team now that love football. That certainly helps. I think we got guys that care about each other more. Um, they f- still feel like they're uh, having fun playing and have something to prove. 
such a long off season, Josh. It's it's you know people can talk about how much of a grind it is, but this is what they've been practicing for. This is what they went through, you know, that long off season for and in, in preparing for. So. Uh, I don't. I don't get the sense that there's much apathy or much, you know, dread that the season has gone on this long. No, not at all. I, I feel like the, you still see plenty of energy from guys and fight and and playing. And honestly, like you, you saw on on Saturday a little bit, the way Purdue started the game. I mean, it's not like they necessarily had given up on any, but they they came out flat and I don't know, like maybe, maybe that was partially just because of, you know, some of the guys had, uh, as coach Brom said earlier in the week had opted out of the season. No, none of the big name guys, but as some of the players had, so maybe there is a lack of, of, you know, willingness to go forward. Some guys, there's a little bit of apathy in that program, but yeah, definitely not from the Huskers from what we've heard. You know, there've been uh, a couple of, uh, a couple of guys that, that left a little over a week ago, but other than that, I feel like the ones that are still in that locker room are bought in and are playing hard. Coach Frost um, was, and I guess the team I should say was, was, you know, pretty hard on, themselves and and their teammates and and the team on the way that they had practiced on the Illinois week and that was something that came out on the Monday following uh, the loss to the Illini after the win with Penn State so coach Frost was asked about what the team learned from that experience and and what the attitude has been like coming off of a win learning how to win and continue that momentum into the next week well you you got to learn from a win and learn from a loss um I, I've really seen our habits and a lot of things around the building get better the last uh, couple weeks. Um, coming off a win, you got to double down on that. Do even more of it. Um, make sure you're focused. Focus is good. Your practice habits are good. Your effort's good. Um, and I expect the guys to, to respond well this week. To me, Josh, it shouldn't be that hard to to explain to your team like what what practice means i mean you think about the games that they didn't win how hard they had to practice mm-hmm. everything they had to go through in a loss you, i mean that's that's the that's what the reminders got to be is think about how hard you guys worked and didn't win and now you're gonna right. you know that just because you won you're gonna back off the gas pedal it just it doesn't work that way Right. And I do somewhat understand the idea of you, you get over the hump and you finally get the first win of the season and you're feeling really good about yourself. Like it's just natural human psychology to, you know, maybe let up a little bit, even if you're not intentionally doing it, even if the coaches are saying and leaders on the team are saying, we got to keep grinding, like, let's go out there and beat Illinois this week. Like I can see how that it just is natural to, to let up a little bit, but now that you've seen what happened when that when you you know let up a little bit before the Illinois game when you've seen that happen now you should definitely 100% go the opposite direction and and lean in even harder and and grind that much more so i don't i don't expect there to be any any let up like what we saw after the Penn State game we sung the praises of DiCaprio Boodle and Cam Taylor Britt a little bit in the first segment and i think a lot of people have uh, in that game against Purdue coach Frost talked about how his corners held up and how what type of level they're playing at yeah I thought both those guys played a a really good game on Saturday Um, both talented Uh, Cam Cam did some really good things and has all year and uh, I think he's on track to be to be one of our uh, best players around here in a while so uh, we're lucky to have him we're going to keep coaching him and um, 
we expect that kind of play out of those two guys every week. You know, Josh, you come into the season and you're without Braxton Clark. Immediately, you're probably going, you're thinking this is, you know, this is going to be a tough, tough sledding with Nebraska's corners. And then you lose a few more bodies, right? I mean, Dad Joseph and, and Miles Farmer go down in the secondary just this last week alone. You have Ronald Delancey transfer. Uh, he didn't want any part of the program, so he's off. Um, you know, there's just you were kind of waiting to see what this depth would turn into it, it was, the corner depth was a bit of a concern for me once Braxton went down but I mean Cam Taylor Britt has slid outside and done a really really good job for Nebraska this year yeah no doubt and that's uh, it's been impressive how he went from being a guy who was playing kind of all over the field on the on the defense and has now solidified himself in the cornerback position this season and has done a great job of it he like I said earlier he made some unbelievable plays some athletic plays and you described it on the broadcast on that one late in the game how he just you know he leapt up in the air and made an unbelievably athletic play to swat the ball away and that was a huge huge play by him and um and that's just pure athleticism and and ability to make a play and DiCaprio Boodle has has done the same thing he's he's been solid for a couple years now and he's he's a veteran and he just really doesn't make mistakes so when you have two guys on each side of the ball that are gonna lock down on receivers that that helps out any defense but especially with what we saw on Saturday against Purdue with with the great receivers they have Cam Taylor Britt floated I think seven or eight yards you know from when he launched <laughs> yeah. to when he landed I mean that, if you haven't seen the photos by now just just do some Husker searches on Twitter of Cam Taylor Britt and you, you, you mean you'll find plenty of them which is absolutely unbelievable let's flip sides of the ball a little bit and talk Husker offense and and start with our quarterback Adrian Martinez coach Frost was asked about his ability to respond and rebound from uh, getting benched to Luke McCaffrey and the way he's played the last couple of weeks um the rebound is impressive um really Sam I saw that improvement from both quarterbacks uh when I told them it was a competition going into Iowa game uh both of them had exceptional weeks of practice that week and um, we played both of them our plan was to play both and uh, the same this week um, I think they just been practicing better um, we've been completing more balls getting them off on time making better decisions and that's translated to the field and um, I don't know if what happened uh, was a motivation I know uh, in my college career had a couple negative things happen, and I used that as a, a motivation, had a chip on my shoulder. So I, I don't really know if that's it or if uh, some success has led to more confidence. But either way, both guys are practicing better and uh, playing better on the field. You get the sense, Josh, that Adrian has a pretty big chip on his shoulder as well and been through a lot already in his Husker career with injuries and obviously this situation with Luke uh, has really pushed him with the way that he's played. It, it's just great to see Adrian play well and you know get rewarded for his attitude off the football field really since he's been here. Yeah, and you know like I, I think it's been said every single time that I feel like anybody talks about Adrian and Luke, you talk about what great guys they are and Adrian though especially you know and this was from the day he started, he's been a leader and he's only become more and more so like he it's just it was impressive you know the first couple of years that he was in Lincoln and what he did as a leader and after tough losses and trying to keep the team headed in the right direction but obviously it's more impressive that once he gets benched 
and you have you know a redshirt freshman come in and and take the starting spot from you that he still is doing the exact same things on and off the field uh, in the locker room around the players that he was doing before and to keep his head up and keep working and and then to come back once he comes you know comes back in and 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 starts playing again to pick up his level of play and again I you know coach Frost said I don't who knows if if that was a a chip on his shoulder if it was motivation or not but the it sure seems like it just from the where, where he was before he got benched and then where he is now so but either way he's been playing great uh, the last two games against Iowa and last week against Purdue I mean most of us at our place of work as grown adults wouldn't handle it well if somebody newer came in and your boss thought they did a better job at, at their job than you, and you had been there longer. Um, I think that Adrian's handling this situation better than a lot of grown adults would, um, you know, if that were to happen to them. It's just a testament to what type of person he is, what type of character he has. I know people get probably tired of hearing it, but we are so lucky to have him as a part of our team and uh, representing our our. Uh, our, our offense and, and the University of Nebraska. It's just really amazing to see how he's handled it. And that's why seeing him have success is such a great thing. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Basketball Radio Show right here on the Husker Sports Network. Nine points for Stevenson. Nails both foul shots in the passing lane with a nice takeaway as McGowan's. He's got Teddy down the floor. The trailer is Ivan with a dunk. Ivan Wadago explodes to the rim and jams it. Great pass, McGowan's, and the finish by Ivan Wadago. An inside look at what's going on around Nebraska basketball. Huskers uh, three points away from 100, 97-51. Webster with the ball, gives it up to Wood, open three, deep right corner. Jace Piatkowski got it! Jace Piatkowski gives Nebraska 100 points. How sweet is that, my friends? Tonight, assistant coach Doc Sadler. 55-43, big red, under 10 to go. A steal, Banton swipes it away, comes the other way on the dribble. Stops, pops, 13-footer, rings the bell, and the Huskers on a run, lead it by 14, lickety-split just like that. Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at yourmidwestforddealers.com. Now here's your host of the Nebraska Basketball Radio Show, Ben McLaughlin. Thank you, and welcome to the Nebraska Basketball Radio Hour. Pleased to have you with us for the next hour here on the show. As you're there in the open, happy to be welcomed in by Nebraska assistant coach Doc Sadler. Welcome in your calls and your text until 8 o'clock. Join us at 531-500-4686. That is the Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices and brands, locations and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Coach, welcome in. Unexpected weekend off for you and the team. How did the boys handle the uh, curveball thrown their way uh, that you found out this weekend? Well, you know, Ben, uh, obviously we didn't find out till I guess we was putting in uh, the scout offense. Coach Gates was uh, on Friday uh, when we found out that we wasn't going to be playing. So, uh, you know, you would think at that point, uh, maybe that practice would not be a really good practice. But uh, the thing that I've uh, learned about this team is uh, we've not had many bad practices. We've been, we've got a group of guys that when they get to the gym, uh, you know, they've responded to coach and, uh, and to coaching. 
And uh, Friday we had a, another really good practice. Saturday we uh, actually practiced before the football game at 11 and and then took Sunday off uh, and got started back today. But, uh, you know, it's it's that time of year where these guys need to be playing some games. And that was a game that we would have really liked to have played just – uh, for no other reason, just to get 40 minutes of game time uh, with each other again. But uh, uh, when you have a team that practices, you know, the way they do, uh, it uh, it wasn't as disappointing maybe as we thought it might be. Coach, you mentioned that it was a time to, to, to play some games, as many games as you're, you're going to be allowed to. Was there any thought of trying to add somebody to the schedule or was it immediately on to Georgia Tech? Well, there's so many things that goes, you know, it sounds like, you know, well, since you lost a the game, then you just uh, pick up another game. But uh, there comes, you know, there's more to it than that, obviously. Uh, uh, and and we weren't able to get anything at this time. Uh, who knows what may happen down the road uh, with, the, with the Big Ten season. You know, I'll be very surprised if we make it through the whole season without having some more, uh, have some more cancellations. Hopefully, that's not the case. Uh, but you also got to be looking at that also. So, uh, at this time, coach thinks it's best that we just kind of hold that date in case uh, we need to do something later on in the season. How have, has the team, Doc, handled just the everyday protocols now of getting tested? being disciplined away from the court and just everything that 2020 has had to offer with, um, you know, the, the virus that we've been dealing with for the last seven, eight, nine months. Well, it all started back in Indianapolis, as y'all know. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's been a long summer, uh, a long fall, but as I said, this team has been a fun, fun group. Uh, you know, I've been doing it now 38 years and I could put this team as one of the, uh, fun teams to go to practice with uh you know uh they just seem to come to get better uh they don't have a lot of bad days uh we have absolutely zero uh attitudes or you know jealousies or anything like that that you might expect when you've got as many new guys as we've got but uh, this this team is is really really a fun team to be around each and every day and to practice with. How have they been uh, with the learning process with games? I know it's one thing to go through practice and another thing to to put them in front of a um, you know a film room or break down plays. How have they taken the teaching and the lessons learned here in the first handful of games? Well, I think that's where maybe having a coach like. Uh, Fred really pays off because he has, uh, even though a very, very complex system, uh, he is very, very patient and he understands that it's going to take some time, but, uh, you know, that, that helps that you've got a patient head coach that understands that, you know, it is a complex system. There's a lot of uh, things that goes into it. Uh, you know, we're not even close to being the team that will be later on in the season just because uh, of the repetition that we do each and every day. And uh, so, uh, you know, uh, it's just been a fun team to practice with. 
How have they gelled together? Um, I guess more so I, we'll, we'll still learn on the floor a little bit as, as you get more games under your belt, but yeah. uh, getting to know one another and just you know being around each other every day. Well, the, I, uh, again, I think, I think you're right. I mean, it's still a ways off. Uh, you can see sometimes because we do have a really unselfish team and sometimes they overpass – and it's caused some turnover, uh, you know, uh, problems for us in some games. But turnovers are never good. But in this situation, a lot of time it's because we're being too unselfish. And, uh, you know, by, by getting more minutes with each other uh, in game competition, I think that'll take care of itself. We'll, we'll break down uh, and get into a number of the guys on the team, but the first guy I want to ask you about is Derek. He's been dealing with a really tough situation. You were given some good news cutting his suspension down a little bit. I know there's probably nobody on the on the team right now more eager to get on the floor than Derek Walker. How's he holding up, Coach? Good. Uh, you know, obviously, as he said, he made a mistake uh, prior to being here, and, uh, you know, he's dealing with the consequences, but – you know, Derek's been a player that, uh, again, has been really, really uh, fun to be around. Uh, he comes to practice and practices hard. Uh, he's a great teammate. Probably, if not our best uh, communicator on the floor, he's one of them. Uh, so, you know, uh, you, don't, you don't play this game just to practice, though. Uh, as you mentioned, he's got to be getting tired of practicing and he's looking forward to playing. And uh, we for sure uh, be looking forward to having him when he when he does get eligible. That being said, I'm probably you've probably seen a bounce in the step and we've had a, a chance to hear from Delano a few times. But having guys like De- Delano and Shamil who had to wait that long year, pro- probably uh, you know, pretty exciting for them to be back out there playing again. Well, of course it is. Uh, and, you know, again, uh there's too much work to go in into into playing if you're not going to play games so the year that they spent off uh you know uh they they actually got better at some of the things that they needed to get better at and uh but as you have seen uh both of them are are good players and they're only going to get better as the season goes along I'd like to remind you to buckle up and put the phone down a reminder from the NDOT highway safety office clearly our call screeners aren't uh following the correct protocols letting anybody come out and and talk this show uh we're going to welcome on a a guest here chester from plifford our good friend welcome back to the show my friend yeah am i on the air with uh, doc yeah chester you're here chester good to hear from you doc hey um this is Chester from Clifford. We, um, I want to just call you and tell you. I've uh, been wanting to share this with you. Um, you know, we really missed you on the radio. Um, not like what you're doing tonight, but I'm talking about when you were back here before coaching and enjoyed you on the when you talked talked on the radio with Ken Pavelk and before the games and then after the game. So me and the missing, as a matter of fact, and most everybody here in Clifford. Um, enjoys uh, Husker hoops and uh, just wanted to tell you that. Well, Chester, I appreciate it. And there's, you know, there's nothing better than Kent Pavelka. And uh, I've really missed that guy 
you know, because he's having to do the games from home and uh, not doing them uh, at, at, at courtside because I don't think there's anybody better than Kent at doing it. And uh, he loves what he does. He loves the Husker fans. And, man, he loves Husker hoops. So I appreciate you listening, and uh, thanks for the call. You betcha. I was just uh, wondering if there's any, how, any chance maybe you could um, get back on there doing that again before the games. And after. I mean, you know, we enjoy Coach Fred and everything, but could you maybe you get on there again before and after or not? Well, I, to be honest with Chester, I hope not because that means there would be something wrong with Fred. But, uh, you know, that's just something I think that the fans – uh, you know, benefit from from turning in and tuning in to Ken as they know that they're going to get a chance to hear from the head coach. And obviously there's times after the game when coach has other things that he has to do. And when that happens, sure, I'll be, uh, I'll be, uh, be on the radio and look forward to talking to you guys. Well, we'll we enjoy you up here. And um, Ken sounds like – Ken Pravelka sounds like a pretty good guy, too. Is, has he, is he a pretty good guy? He's a great guy. Uh, I'm not going to say – I'm not going to say uh, he's a great dresser, uh, you know, with that bow tie. I mean, he uh, – but he does a great job doing the radio. And you know what? He is uh, probably one of the guys that I missed most – the years that I was gone because uh, you just know that he's in your corner and he's pulling for you so much and he's just a unbelievable person. He, he can be pretty funny sometimes. Has he, uh, has he ever uh, pulled any jokes on you? Uh, I don't know if Kent's ever pulled any jokes on, on me or not, but uh, he uh, – he, uh, I, I, I think we got, I don't remember what game it was, uh, that we were coming back when I was here before. I think it was maybe Iowa state and we was riding back and Kent got really sick on the bus and made a mess all over the place. And I told him, you know, it's been my experience. The person that makes the mess has got to clean the mess, but, oh uh, Kent, Kent was really sick and, uh, uh, he felt so bad, but it was, uh, you know, but we have a good time. That's for sure. Uh, you know, he and I would go out to dinner sometimes the night before the game when we was on the road and just talk because, uh, he's got a lot of stories. He's got a lot of stories. And I was one that always enjoyed listening to him. Well, that's great. Um, I just wondered, doc, uh, who paid for those dinners? Do you remember? Well, it's it's the guy that uh, you know Chester the the guy that's talking uh, is the guy that uh, as you well know Chester if you if you've ever had a friend that you had to go out to dinner with that bought his wife uh, tires for Christmas you probably uh, you know who ended up having to buy the dinner not him Doc did you know it was me <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I was going along. Uh, you think I'd say those nice things about you if I didn't know it was you? Huh? I was about oh, to tell man. you that you were going to feed his ego, Coach, until the next oh, until the next oh, five years. I, you, you, I would have. I would have never said those nice things if I'd have known when, it wasn't him. When do you When do you think you're going to get back to Plifford? Uh, well, you know that was one thing about it, Chester. I didn't know where Clifford was at. Well, but, it's up uh, near uh, Hartley in Blue Hill. Oh, is I that think. where it's at? Yeah. 
Well, I, uh, I, heard I don't you know on when the radio. I'm, I, I, huh? I, I don't know when I'll get back up there to Blue Hill. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, I'm looking forward to Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we'll get to play. And uh, I know you watch the game. You, you know, in all seriousness, uh, one of the most prepared people that's ever done this stuff. And uh, I know you watch that game uh, yesterday that they played. So uh, it's going to be a tough ball game. It's going to be a fun ball game. And uh, hopefully, we'll come out and play well. All right, Doc. Hey, Cal, or, or Chester, do you just want to finish off the hour? I mean, you've already taken up the whole segment. You just want to keep going? <laughs> I'm just gonna get re- getting ready for this next broadcast is all I'm doing here. So I'll let you guys go. Thanks, Ben. Hey, Ben, maybe you got horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good night, boy. Hey, thanks, See KP. You, I mean, Chester. Um, that, that Coach, I got to tell you, there's nobody more upset about going to Maui, going to Orlando, um, going to Santa, going to all these Bahamas, um, the Virgin Islands, everywhere that they've been, there's nobody more upset than that than Kent because he's not allowed to go do anything because he's in his hotel room prepping all the time. I mean, Jake's out well, there on the beach, but Kent's saying someone's got to get ready for the broadcast. There's one thing about it. Uh, all those places you mentioned is really nice until you see Kent on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> that's, oh, that's, not, that's like seeing me on the beach. It's not a real pretty sight. <laughs> Yeah, thankfully he's he's he tight, hides himself in his closet getting that getting that chart done that that spotting board done. So uh, not not a the most common of occurrences seeing him out there. But uh, appreciate him calling in. I know you guys have had great relationship over the years, and you're right. Yep. Nobody uh, takes it more seriously than KP. Midwest Ford Dealers is offering you awesome prizes this football season. All you have to do is enter a photo showing your Husker pride or vote for your favorite photo, and you could be the winner of a $50 Husker gift card. Enter and vote today at facebook.com slash Huskers. Welcome back to the Nebraska Basketball Radio Hour. Joined by Nebraska assistant coach Doc Sadler. Let's go back to the phones. Up to Omaha, we talk to Chuck. Hey, Chuck. Hey, Ben. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, Doc. How are you? Hey, Chuck, thanks for calling in. Yeah, man. Hey, um, so just interested about uh, Ivan's development from last year to this year. I mean, you can obviously tell that that he's been dedicated to the uh, strength and conditioning and the nutrition that's offered there at the school just by looking at his body. But can you talk about his uh, his development in the post or in the middle? Because you can – you can see how he's getting the ball from last year to this year uh, when he's down low and just the difference that, that what you guys have been teaching him is making. And, and I'll just hang up and listen. Thanks, guys. Well, uh, Chuck, again, I think one of the big things that uh, – I think one of the big things that Ivan missed out on uh, was being here this summer and – uh, pretty much, uh, you know, didn't get back here till school started uh, because he because of the COVID situation. But uh, Ivan Ivan uh, is a player that comes to work each and every day, uh, and is going to not only just come in once. He spends a lot of time coming in extra 
Uh, he's only going to get better. Defensively, I don't know that I've ever coached a player on the defensive end that does as good a job in, 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 in blitzing the screen and stuff or trapping the ball screen, whatever you want to call it, as he does. He's got tremendous feet, tremendous feet. Um, right now, I think confidence-wise, he's struggling a little bit uh, when he gets the basketball. But, you know, it's only going to take one or two good games for him to get going back to uh, – because he works too hard. And, 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 you know, by him uh, putting in the time and the effort, uh, eventually he's going to have success. And when he does, that's just going to give his confidence a lot uh, – a bigger boost. And then uh, he's going to be back to doing the things that we would like for him to do. Uh, once again, he is a player that uh, that you can really coach. Is all ears. He doesn't have all the answers, and he's willing to put in the time. So uh, I think there's some good things and good times ahead of him. And uh, I just I, I want it for him so bad because, like I say, he is uh, uh, he's putting in the time and the effort uh, to be a good player. Coach, what did last year in terms of learning experience mean for, for Ivan? I mean, not only was he introduced to the American game, the college game, the competitive game, but he was introduced to Big Ten basketball where he's going up against basically all Americans or pros every night down in the paint. Well, a lot. Uh, you know, not only that, Ivan, Ivan's such a young kid. Uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's 18 now, but as a, a year ago, he was 17 years old. And as you mentioned, uh, this league is unforgiving of uh, big people. This league has always had good, big, big-sized players. Last year was no exception, and this year it's not either. So uh, each and every night he's going to uh, have a big challenge. And, uh, you know, he just can't get frustrated. Uh, his time's coming, and uh, all he's got to do is keep working hard. What did you think uh, when you saw him back on campus after the, the long break, what he did to his body? Well, as you mentioned and Chuck mentioned, uh, there's no question that uh, while he was home, he spent a lot of time and uh, uh, of working out and, and trying to, you know, get his body in a, a good position to have a successful season. And, and that's what, uh, again, that's what uh, – uh, he did, and he came back in great shape. And, uh, you know, if you want to do something bad enough and you're willing to work at it, you're only going to get better, and that's, uh, that's the way Ivan is. Without further ado, let's jump into it, the Weekend Rewind. See the game last night? Which game? Any of them. Oh, there's a cat. A black cat has taken the field. A black cat is running from the 20 to the near side, the 10. From the 39 in Dallas, here's a short throw down the middle, caught by Ingram. Caught at the 35, went to the 30. Now the cat running the other way, and so is Ingram at the 30 to the 25, near the 24-yard line. They've stopped play, and the players with hands on hips are watching the cat run and zigzag all over the field. Now a policeman, a state trooper has come on the field, and the cat runs into the end zone. That is a touchdown. Let's check out the highlights. Steven Jackson's David Reggie Miller's looking good. He shoots a three, and it's good. Later, he gets the rebound, passes it to the man, shoots it, and boom goes the dynamite. It's the Weekend Rewind with Josh Hilkeman. 
Well, here we go. And Ben, I haven't done this in a while. I, I, it's, it's been at least a year because I didn't have an open with my name on it with a new open, which we made a year ago. So, so do you uh, like? Do you use like a doc when you put this together? So, like, that's how long I can tell. You know, if we've yeah, got long layouts. And I like don't. I don't. I like, couldn't even. I couldn't even find the most recent one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, because I had a long layoff there when uh, when COVID was a thing and wiped out all the sports. So right, yeah. No, it's it's been a while. So, but we'll see if I can hang in there and get through it. But uh, yeah, let's jump right in and of course start with the Huskers and a brief mention of uh, Husker football. We talked about it in depth in hour one, the thirty-seven twenty-seven victory over Purdue on Saturday. Hopefully, meaning momentum for the Big Red coming down the stretch of the season and the Gophers this Saturday. And then we move over to Husker women's basketball. They finally got their season started on Friday with a 90-61 win over Oral Roberts. And then yesterday, NU faced Idaho State, and the Big Red were led offensively by a newcomer to the program. Kane looks, 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 throws a dangerous pass. Scoggin deep three. You betcha! She's hitting four threes! She's on fire! Gives Nebraska the lead! And Scoggin finished with 16 points for the Huskers, who went on to win 64-51 to over the Bengals of Idaho State. Scoggins is a JUCO transfer into the program, one of several new players uh, for Amy Williams on the roster and seen some significant playing time. It's really been kind of a revamped lineup for Amy Williams, Ben, but so far 2-0 on the season. Yeah, where have we heard that before uh, on, on a basketball team? <laughs> right. I guess it's just the day and age anymore, man. I mean, you've got teams that are losing players left and right, and I can't speak to what the transfer market's like for women's basketball, but for men's hoops, it's I think it's just something we got to get used to. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, and speaking of men's hoops, Fred Hoiberg's men were supposed to play at Florida A&M yesterday, but, of course, that game was canceled late last week. So now they head into a big week, as you mentioned, with Georgia Tech and Creighton on the schedule. And after talking with a coach, with, with Doc last hour, how do you feel about the Huskers heading into this big week upcoming? Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think there's things that you're excited about and also things that probably concern you a little bit. It's still pretty early on. The team, you know, team hasn't played together a ton, but, you know, as, as coach said, they got a good amount of tape on Georgia Tech from last year. I kind of feel like they're, they're prepared. And, um, you know, in regards to Creighton, you know, Creighton really took it to Nebraska last year with that uh, team that they threw together. So, you know, the the very few that played in that game last year are going to be looking for some revenge. And as I talked about with Doc, there are a lot of these guys that, you know, probably, you know, <laughs> weren't aware of Creighton at all, you know, where, where they're right. originally from. So, um, as Doc said, get, first things first, got to take care of Georgia Tech. But, um, I mean, everybody that, that bleeds Husker Red and even has, um, you know, Creighton Blue on, look forward to that game every year. Yep, no doubt about it. Well, let's move on to some football, and some college football, and start in the Big Ten with Ohio State and Michigan State. There's a lot of doubt that this game would be played early in the week, but it was played in the fourth-ranked Buckeyes down to Spartans 52-12. to That keeps their hopes for playing in the Big Ten championship game and in the college football playoff alive. And then what do you think happens with Ohio State's uh, game upcoming this weekend against Michigan? seems like that now is is they're pretty uh, positive that that's going to happen. Yeah, and I don't know if I'm a Michigan fan how I feel about that because um, – I, don't, I think it's a lose, 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 lose situation if you're <laughs> Michigan. I mean, you don't play the game, and Buckeye fans are chirping you about not playing, and 
you play the game and get waxed, which is going to happen. Yeah. And you're, you're, I, I guess my, my point is I don't know what this does for Jim Harbaugh because mm-hmm. it's hard to to beat a team, you know, Ohio State as it is. But when you're down players, this is going to be a bloodbath. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know how much stock you can – I don't know. I guess – I don't know how much more gas you can dump on the fire, so to speak. I, so, I – Ohio State's going to roll them if they play. I don't, I don't, and I don't know how Michigan fans, are, if they're willing to give them Harbaugh a pass or not. It's really hard, hard way to explain it, but yeah. I, I just don't, I don't see a winning situation if you're Michigan, no matter how this thing goes. Right, I would agree with that. Uh, moving on, uh, a kind of an ugly game between Penn State and Rutgers. Nittany Lions come out on top, twenty-three to seven. Noah Vedral was back starting at quarterback for the Scarlet Knights, but. Penn State's defense was tough, held them to seven points, and three times set up their offense in great field positions. Now Penn State has won two in a row, and I think everybody's heard the stat now that how many uh, teams have two wins in the conference, Penn State one of them. Yeah, it's pretty crazy to look at the standings um, and and really what a couple of wins could do for your program. And, and, you know, for as much – crap as people want to give Nebraska there's a lot of other teams in this league that probably deserve some negative criticism yeah Uh, but most of that you know seems to be pointing at the way Nebraska but put your head down take care of Minnesota finish the season strong and and as coach Frost said today control what you can control yeah all right next up in the Big Ten for football big upset and I'll pat myself on the back for calling it in our Big Ten picks last week 12th ranked Indiana on the road against number six Wisconsin it's third and goal at the seven Tuttle takes the snap. Pressure comes. Throws the football. It's to the end zone. And there's the catch made by Wap Fillier. Touchdown! And Indiana has scored another here in the start of the third quarter. And it ended up being 14-6. Indiana defeats Wisconsin. And, man, you knew, Ben, that the Hoosiers would struggle to score without Michael Penix Jr. at quarterback. But that Indiana defense is something special. Man, they're front seven is insane and I can't believe Mm. I'm saying that about an Indiana team that was a (laughs) money ball throw by Tuttle right there though by the way uh to Watt Fillier um and I don't know I don't you you gotta start making some investments on the weekend man I mean you you, you're just you're crushing us all with your picks and you know there's been some uh some really some really interesting games interesting finals this year but you know I'm gonna be honest with you and this might be come across as sour grapes I'm not impressed with Wisconsin's offense at all They've played two good defenses this year, and they've got shut down both times. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, they they have they've left a lot to be desired, in my opinion. Well, yeah, and they after beating Illinois so bad in the first game of the season, everybody was hyping up Graham Mertz and saying how good he was going to be. But it they've really struggled, like you said. Everybody's done made, that against Illinois, except Nebraska. <laughs> there you go. But, yeah, no, it's it. – you're right, though. There's been nothing that impressive about Wisconsin, but you also have to give props to the Hoosiers' defense. They yes. have stepped up in a big way this year. Uh, last game to talk about from Saturday in the Big Ten was Iowa and the aforementioned Illinois Illini. And, and Illinois led at the half 14-13, to 13, but the Hawkeyes came back and pulled away for a comfortable 35-21 victory. Iowa is now 5-2 and two on the season, and I'd say with what we talked about, the 10 other teams being at two wins, Iowa's really in the top tier of the conference, or at least in that second tier below Iowa, or Ohio State. And remember, they started 0-2, so they've really exactly. come along and played good football. And you know, make, I don't know about you, I'm still wondering what, what could have been um, mm-hmm. you know, had Nebraska finished off that drive against the Hawkeyes. But alas, here yep. we are, on to the Gophers. Yep. 
And we're on to some top 25 college football from the weekend. Uh, a few scores here. Number five, Texas A&M had a scare against Auburn, but pulled away in the second half with a 31-20 to victory. TCU upsets number 15, Oklahoma State, 29-22. I gave myself props for the calling the Indiana game. You and Greg picked this upset last week in our picks, so nice work there picking yeah, the even a, TCU even over. A blind, even a blind <laughs> squirrel, you know, just yeah. got to run into one eventually. <laughs> right. Well, good work, you called it. Um, running through a few more finals here. Number two, Notre Dame tops Syracuse, 45-21. Number nine, Iowa State routes West Virginia, 42-6. to and then sixth-ranked Florida faced Tennessee, and Kyle Trask went wild for the Gators. Twins to the right, trips to the left. The snap to Trask, surveys the scene, now rolls right, still has the ball, fires to the end zone, it's caught! That's a touchdown! Jacob Copeland in the back of the end zone, it's 30-7! to Trask finished with 433 yards passing and four touchdowns as Florida Downs volunteers 31-19. to Another upset, this one in the Pac-12 as Stanford takes down number 22, Washington, 31-26. The game of the day in college football, though, was one that just came out, it just came about two days before it was played. Number 13, BYU traveling across the country to face 18th ranked Coastal Carolina, and the Chanticleers got it done 22-17. Stopping the Cougars on the two-yard line as time expired. And, man, I watched a good chunk of this game. What a fun game that was, Ben. Yeah, man, that absolutely was awesome. Got chippy, uh, a lot of passion on the field. Uh, That was, yeah, and and credit to both teams. I don't like BYU at all. Uh, I've never been a fan of their program and feel like a lot of dirty players have come from there. But anyway, I digress. Credit to both teams (laughs) for making that happen. Credit to BYU for going all the way to Myrtle Beach to make that thing happen. Yeah, exactly. You got to give credit to them, but uh, a lot of fun to watch that one. Uh, number 11, Oklahoma didn't have much of an issue with Baylor. The Sooners win it 27-14. to 14. Another upset in the Pac-12. Cal gets their first win of the season, knocking off 23rd-ranked Oregon 21-17. Number one, Alabama absolutely destroyed LSU. We all saw this coming, but it's still an impressive win. 55-17, Alabama wins it. Mac Jones with 385 yards through the air and four touchdowns. So another impressive performance for Mac Jones. Where do you put him in the Heisman race at this point? Top three, absolutely top three. I mean, he was just poor LSU, poor Bo Pelini, 450 yards at halftime for Alabama. And I get that they're the hardest offense in America to stop, but absolutely unbelievable. Um, You know, their, their offense is ridiculously hard to stop, but it has been a plummet for LSU. Joe Brady's not coming back. Joe Burrow's not coming back. All those weapons aren't coming back. I think LSU's probably stuck in neutral for a while. Yep. And finally, number three, Clemson at Virginia Tech. Uh, This one closed for a while, but the Tigers score 35 unanswered to win going away 45 to 10. Before we move on, a reminder to buckle up and put the phone down. A reminder from the NDOT Highway safety office moving on to some men's college basketball now and starting in the big 10 yesterday uh, michigan defeated central florida 80 to 58 eighth ranked michigan state rolled past western michigan 79 61 and penn state fell to seton hall in overtime 98 to 92 and i know it's early in the season i don't know how much you've watched in the big 10 but what do you make of the conference uh through the first week and a half or so of the season really good 
Really, really good. Really good players. Really good teams. Um, yeah, it's 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 an absolute grind right now in the Big Ten and some some really quality coaches in this league as we know. I remember being at Big Ten Media Days at the start of last year, thinking, "Yeah, the Big Ten. I don't think it's going to be as good as this year." Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing why you know I, I, they don't give me more of a basketball platform because I couldn't have been any more wrong <laughs> on that on that thought. But uh, so it goes. It's tough every year. Yep. Um, and a few top twenty-five games of note yesterday. Number twelve Villanova holding off seventeenth-ranked Texas, sixty-eight to sixty-four. 11th ranked West Virginia took care of Georgetown 80 to 71. And then, of course, Husker fans looking at this one Georgia Tech upsetting Kentucky 79 to 62. The Yellow Jackets are going to be at PBA on Wednesday. Yeah. And we move over to the NFL now. Uh, a lot of games and a lot of good games to look at from yesterday. And, of course, two games tonight and one tomorrow. But let's focus on the Sunday games right now. Saints at the Falcons and Taysom Hill gets another start at QB. He leads New Orleans to a 21-16 victory yesterday. Saints now 10-2. So with Taysom Hill at quarterback, Ben, how far into the playoffs do the Saints get with him leading the charge? I hate watching Taysom Hill play football. <laughs> hate it. Um, yeah, so I mean, objectively it was, speaking. <laughs> it was hard watching Drew Brees throw the ball five yards down the field. But give me that all day over watching Taysom Hill. Um, I, I mentioned my dislike for BYU not that long ago. Yeah. Coincidence? Maybe yeah. that Taysom Hill's a BYU <laughs> Cougar. Um, the man was in college when he was 37 years old. Um, right. I just, yeah, I I am not a fan at all of watching the Saints offense when he is out there. So for my, for my sake, I hope they lose early. Right. Uh, this next game was a shocker. Browns at the Titans, and Cleveland built up a 38-7 lead by halftime. Crazy. Uh, but ended up having to hold on for a 41-35 victory. Baker Mayfield, though, was impressive. Browns are 9-3. and three. I would never, ever, ever have predicted that going into the season. <laughs> yeah, I was talking about this with Ian the other day. You know, it's um, like – the, the year that Cleveland is the most quiet where you're not hearing a bunch of crap come out of Cleveland it's the year that they're winning so right. uh, I know they take it they take after their head coach in that regard but it is bizarre I mean you had the Odell Circus the Jarvis Landry Circus Baker Mayfield Miles Garrett I mean, they've always been a story the last five years haven't heard much out of Cleveland and they're winning so I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not but yeah, pretty incredible maybe. watching what they're doing right now yep pretty crazy uh, speaking of crazy, Bengals at Dolphins. Final score, uh, Miami 19, Cincinnati 7. That wasn't the story. The story was the brawl that broke out in the middle of this one as the Bengals took a cheap shot on a punt return, led to five ejections and all sorts of crazy things, scenes out in the field. You, what did you make of all that? I made a head coach Brian Flores go screaming across <laughs> to the Bengals sideline wanting to get involved. Yep. Good for those teams. You know, good for Miami. They, they've been a dumpster fire the last few years, and, and good for the Bengals. I mean, I'm, I'm not applauding the cheap shot, but right. it's nice to see some fire from these lifeless franchises that, you know, haven't had much go right. In this case, the Bengals, not that much going right this year. But, you know, I love seeing it. I have, you know, obviously pulling for the Bengals because Zach Taylor, I have no interest in the Dolphins, but, it, you know, I – I, w I would like to see that if I was a Dolphins fan. Right, right. Don't applaud the uh, the the cheap shot, but applaud the entertainment factor of, of being yeah. 
still fighting and making some making it good football. All right, uh, next up, Raiders at Jets and New York in search of their first win of the season, but not to be. Jets coming. Carr puts some air under it. Wide open is Rex for the touchdown. Miraculous. No, he didn't. Tough to watch for Husker fans, Ben, as Lamar Jackson gets beat on the game-winning TD pass to Henry Ruggs. 31-28, the final score. Jets drop to 0-12. Yeah, I mean, I felt so bad for Lamar. He, you know, he... He knows what he did and what he didn't do on the team. But what in the bleepity bleep 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 are the New York Jets doing sending seven Uh, on that play? Like a touchdown is the only thing that hurts you. Put ten guys on the goal line. Why are you sending the house and having man-to-man coverage with a rookie on one of the fastest players in the NFL? Like Greg Williams – got fired fired today (laughs) and he deserves to never have a football job again first of all you never should have had another job after the bounty situation in new orleans but like he was asking to get fired i mean maybe maybe he had you know holiday plans with the family or something and maybe he's in charge of cooking the prime rib at home and he needed you know needed some time off because that was a fast expressway ticket hey maybe adam gay said look let's just call cover zero if we sack them, that's not ideal. Let's keep our number one draft pick. Maybe that was the thought behind it. I don't know. But that was the, the worst football decision I have ever seen <laughs> in, in late-game scenario. Yeah, and and Lamar Jackson handled it well. Like, he spoke after and p- posted on social media, and he, he handled it well. But, yeah, Greg Williams I definitely deserved to be fired after that. Wrapping up with uh, NFL scores, Giants at Seahawks. New York rallied from a 5-0 deficit at halftime to win 17-12. Bad loss for Seattle there. Eagles and Packers, no problem for Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay as they cruise to a 30-16 victory. And speaking of cruising, it was all Patriots yesterday as they destroyed the Chargers 45-0 in L.A. That included two special teams touchdowns. New England is now 6-6. Six I don't know how good they are, but they're still floating. They're still keeping their head above water. God. And then Sunday, Sunday Night Football featured the Broncos and Chiefs. Much closer than I anticipated as a Chiefs fan, but KC gets it done 22-16. to 16. Wins a wins a wins a win. Move on. That's like 75 in a row against Denver. No big deal. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> wasn't pretty. You, you can play so poorly and still win. You know, whatever. Just move on. Offense right. really shaky yesterday inside the thirty yard line. But you know, as it turns out, I got a fair amount of confidence in the Chiefs' offense and Patrick Mahomes. Agreed. There you go. That's it. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, Josh. Man, for not for knocking the rust off. You're pretty solid. You might take my job in that in that respect. Uh, you know, in, in some capacity as we move along. Thanks for uh, jumping on yeah. doing that with us. Midwest Four Dealers is offering you an awesome prize this football season. All you have to do is enter a photo showing your Husker pride or vote for your favorite photo, and you could be the winner of a $50 Husker gift card. Enter and vote today at facebook.com slash Huskers. Adam Rittenberg from ESPN joins us next. Be sure to tune in tomorrow night as the Nebraska Lottery has our Big Red Replay of the Game contest. Be the first person to call in, identify the play, and you'll win $150 of scratch tickets courtesy of the Nebraska Lottery again tomorrow night here on Sports Nightly. Ben McLaughlin back with you, and happy to welcome on to the program now Adam Rittenberg from ESPN. Adam, thanks for joining us, man. It's been a while. Everything going all right? Yeah, everything's good, Ben. Hope you're doing well. 
Yeah, things are going good. Things are going well. It was an exciting week around college football. And, man, I think we all kind of got encapsulated on what happened between Coastal Carolina and BYU, regardless of, of who won that game. A lot of props to both schools for making that thing happen. What did you think watching that thing happen? Yeah, you know, I, I didn't catch as much of the game as I was hoping, but certainly the end was, was incredibly exciting. And, you know, it just looked like a mismatch, honestly. Even though Coastal Carolina was at home, you thought BYU with their size, their offensive line, you're having a future NFL quarterback uh, on their team in Zach Wilson, that they would kind of you know, create a little bit of a reality check for, for Coastal. But, but man, Coastal is, is such a, a well-coached and uh, talented team. And I love their schemes. I love their aggressiveness and some of the unique things that they do from an X's and O's standpoint. And, you know, Grayson McCall is a terrific quarterback. And, um, and, and wow, that was, uh, you know, just a, a great finish and a huge – Huge, you know, program-defining win. I mean, obviously, they've been a huge story already uh, to, to this point in the season. But to win a game like that when everyone's paying attention and everyone followed the story of how the game came together on such short, short notice. And now, shoot, I mean, Coastal Carolina wins the, uh, the Sun Belt if they can do that and, and finish undefeated. You know, who knows where they end up from a bowl standpoint. So it's just a great story for a program that, you know, a lot of people in college football probably didn't even know existed before this season and really didn't exist that long ago. Right, and, and they've crept up to number 10 in the polls, Adam. There's going to be a lot of college football fans, maybe in the SEC, maybe on the West Coast, that kind of look at that and scoff. How seriously should people around the country take Coastal? Well, I don't think they're going to get in the playoff, but I, I do think it's a team that, if you haven't had a chance to watch them yet, uh, I would certainly uh, encourage you to do so here, especially in the uh, Sun Belt Championship uh, against a, Lu- a Louisiana team that already has a win against Iowa State, which is another top 10 team. Mm-hmm. So that's how good the Sun Belt. I mean, Sun Belt has been the group of five conference that has made the most noise this season. And um, they've played most of their games, and, um, and they've had some big wins. Uh, Arkansas State beat Kansas State as well early, earlier in the season. So, you know, it just has been a really fun year in that conference, and it's setting up to be one of the better championship games of the of the year next week. Adam, let's uh, bring it back here to to Big Ten country and really what's been happening in Ann Arbor with the Michigan Wolverines. Sounds like things may be trending up a little bit, but the bigger conversation is happening around Ohio State. Let's hope we can just avoid the situation altogether, but. Um, what, what's your take on what's happening with Michigan right now and what this could mean for the conference if, if something were to happen and Ohio State were to lose a game? Right. Well, again, it's good, a good sign that Michigan, at least in limited form, was able to practice earlier today in Ann Arbor. Uh, Jim Harbaugh and some players are set to talk with the media tomorrow at noon Eastern, another good sign you know, to preview the Ohio State game in a sense. Um, you know, I know that they're, they're, they're short at some positions, but I did hear – you know, there was like a, 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 you know, a false positive today um, of one of the one of the uh, starters that they, they feared might, might, might be out this week again. So, you know, there's obviously testing, as you know, uh, covering Nebraska. It's going on every day, uh, you know, sometimes multiple times a day. And, and that's going to be a factor here. But I think the fact that Michigan is back on the field is a good sign. Typically, when teams get back on the field after any sort of break, um, you know, the chances of playing the game go go way up. Now, if they can't play the game, you know, then it, get, it gets interesting, and, and the Big Ten athletic directors will have to ultimately decide what they want to do. I mean, they were the ones really uh, in consultation with the coaches who made the rule about six games being the minimum to get into the championship game, and, uh, and it was something they would have to revisit, obviously, if Ohio State is, uh, is denied that sixth game this weekend. 
Adam, if that were to happen, would it still be a a 75% vote or a majority, or how would that go down with the vote? I think it would be a discussion um, from from the league, uh, you know, and 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 from the ads. And I think it's hard to get uh, all fourteen on the same page, maybe yeah. with with that policy. But um, I, I do think that the Big Ten would look at it and, and say, "Listen, um, uh, Indiana's had a great season, but Ohio State did beat them on the field, mm-hmm. um, and Ohio State's the only team that has a chance to get in the playoff." And uh, I know this conference is is all about opportunity and kind of doing right by all of its members, but. I think this is a unique situation where it's not like this six-game rule was in place for 100 years. It was put in place a few months ago uh, you know, with probably the idea that most of the teams would get in most of their games. And unfortunately, we've had a, a quite a large number of cancellations in the Big Ten. And so um, I, I think when it really gets down to it, uh, the Big Ten should do what's best for the conference in terms of getting into the college football playoff. I don't think that that's been as much of an emphasis in this conference as it's been in other conferences. And I think this is a case where um, I think you, you want to have a team in the playoff. You don't want to be left out. And at this point, the only team that can get in is Ohio State. Now, could they get in without being in the Big Ten Championship? It's certainly possible. But uh, I think, again, given the criteria that the CFP Selection Committee looks at and the weight that they put on the conference championship, I do think it's going to matter for Ohio State to play, this, uh, to play in the championship game. Adam, how much stock should Michigan fans be putting into this game with Ohio State? Are they looking past the fact that they're that they may maybe short some bodies? Are they counting this still the same and and holding you know Jim Harbaugh in contempt of court, so to speak, against Ohio State? Or are, is is there some slack given considering the circumstances? Well, you know, I think Michigan fans have watched their team all year, and they've watched Ohio State, and they know that one team is much better than the other team. Now, the the, to- the total uh, you know product of the Harbaugh era and not able to beat Ohio State once, you know, that's a bigger issue to me than not able not being able to beat them this year. Now, it's certainly not a good feeling as a Michigan fan to look at that opening line at thirty, uh, which you know has basically never happened in this game, and and just realize how far behind Ohio State. The Michigan program is. I mean, they, you know, Michigan's a, a spot away from beating Ohio State in 2016, and then it really hasn't been very close since then. And so that's the concern for Michigan uh, is just where their program is and the work that has to be done on their side. I mean, you know, it, it's crazy to say this, Ben, but Michigan's one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, there, there's really no objective way to to, uh, to, to look at them in, in any other way uh, right right now. So a lot of work has to be done. You know, Harbaugh's situation has to be ironed out, whether it's, a, a, you know, a new contract with a short extension or you know, him going to the NFL or whatever that uh, resolution is. I do think he'll be back next year, but we'll see how that's sorted out. Uh, I just think that, that Michigan obviously has a lot of work ahead to catch up to the Ohio State of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Adam, we'll let you go with this one. Thoughts on the Pac-12 so far? Oregon suffered another tough loss. USC's undefeated. What, what have you made from what you've seen out west? Right. Yeah, I mean, obviously very limited sample size, but really impressed with what I've seen from, from USC the last couple of games. They weren't impressive in their win against Arizona, uh, Arizona State. I had to rally to win that one in Arizona. They weren't very good the following week, but um, they, were, they, they were terrific against Washington State uh, yesterday. Amon Ross St. Brown, four touchdown passes. And then Colorado, one of the surprises of college football. Yeah. I mean, every team has had to deal with challenges but uh and obviously covid but how about a team that had a new coaching staff come in in february i mean they were like the last team to hire a coach with carl durrell who who really was on nobody's radar 
He comes back to Colorado where he was an assistant. He comes back to the Pac-12 where he has been a head coach at UCLA, and they've played really well uh, here. So I'm excited to watch them this weekend against Utah. Can they win that game? And then can, U- can USC win their game? I know the Pac-12 has said they're not going to uh, have, the, have the, the, those two you know, make up their canceled game. So that's certainly going to be a bit of a controversy uh, with, with USC going to the championship game. But I, I think that really the, 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 the strength of the conference seems to be those two in the South and then, uh, and then a Washington team. You know, Oregon's been a disappointment, quite frankly, in the North, uh, given the expectations that were on the Ducks. Yeah, we'll take a look and see the next couple of weeks how it plays out in the Pac-12. Adam Rittenberg from ESPN, our guest here on Sports Nightly. Adam, thanks so much, man. Great to hear from you. I hope things are going well. And until next time, enjoy the games this weekend, man. Okay, you too. Great to talk with you. Tim Curran, give us a weekend winner, will you? I will, in fact. And my weekend winner uh, is Baker Mayfield. Baker, Baker, touchdown maker. Uh, They're (laughs) 9-3 on the season. Uh, Not a sentence I thought I would ever say about the Cleveland Browns. Uh, First winning season, I believe, since 2007. That is quite the accomplishment for Cleveland. Now they'll probably all uh, bungle it in the playoffs, um, assuming, of course, they they do scoot on through. But... Uh, yeah, good, good for them. Good for Baker. And Tim, they're the nine and three. They're going to make the playoffs. But yeah, good for, uh, good for old Bake Show. Austin Orman, are you in the house? Uh, present and accounted for, actually. Are you? Do you, do you plan on participating? Well, since I'm here, I may as well, if that's okay. All right, let's I, hear can it. I partic- okay, I can. Thank you. Yeah. I will. I'll stick in the National Football League. We're going to ignore the team performance and just focus on T.Y. Hilton, best game of the year. (laughs) Eight catches, 110 yards, one touchdown. Who could have seen me pulling this one out of the bag? Happy for T.Y. It's been a rough year for him and uh, your favorite quarterback, Phil Rivers, the people's quarterback, Phillip Rivers. But heck of a game. He owns the Houston Texans franchises. He proved it once again. Hey. He he dumped one down to JT for a touchdown. I I don't don't hate him this week, so good, good for that person. All right, Josh, what do you got? All right, I'm going to stick with the NFL three for three for that category. And this one might seem a little bit snarky, but I'm going to go with the New York football Jets as my winner. They keep their hopes alive yeah. for the number one draft pick, Trevor Lawrence, coming their way. So, yeah, it's, it may not have been a win in the win column, but it was a win for their future for the future of the franchise. My winner, Coastal Carolina. Chance Nation, stand up. Congratulations to those people. Thanks to Doc Sadler for sitting in. Thanks to Adam Rittenberg from ESPN for stopping by. Thanks to all my help tonight. Thanks to Josh. Thanks to uh, Tim for producing and Austin as well. Thanks to my boys. Appreciate their help very much. Appreciate all of you for listening. Greg Sharp back in the chair tomorrow. We'll have a full three hours of Sports Nightly. Get you set up for the Huskers and the Yellow Jackets on Wednesday. Thanks to everybody for calling and texting. We're back with you tomorrow at 6. Have a great night.